everyone, I'm Leslie Erdelak, and you're listening to Health Affairs This Week, a podcast where you can join me and a rotating cast of editors at Health Affairs every week as we take a look at the health policy news and headlines that grabbed our attention. Today, I get to welcome Katie Keith back to the show because we're talking about changes to the Affordable Care Act that were announced on Tuesday. And who better to help us understand what it all means? So Katie, thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's a big week. Yeah. So for anyone not familiar with your work, Katie, um, so you're a contributing editor at Health Affairs. You do all the rapid response policy analysis for a long-running series that we publish called Following the ACA. You're also the director of an initiative on health policy and the law at the Georgetown University Law Center's O'Neill Institute. But you also spent some time this week in the East Room at the White House, right? I did. I uh, happened to be in the at the executive order signing ceremony uh, that you know President Biden signed a big executive order on the Affordable Care Act this week. Uh, and he happened to be joined by Vice President Harris and former President Obama. Uh, and it was definitely an uh, Affordable Care Act bonanza. So uh, lovely. Yeah, it was sort of a, a press conference slash reunion. You know, it was largely, I think, to celebrate the fact that it's now been 12 years since the ACA was passed. Um, you mentioned the executive order, but there was this other announcement, too, in the form of a proposed rule change that is going to address, you know, what some people call a flaw, other people call it a loophole, but it's something widely referred to as the family glitch. And so, um, Katie, before we get into the rule change and talk about the kind of impact we expect it to have, what is the family glitch? That is a great question, and I often practice this answer to try to make it uh, clear and concise because it's a little bit wonky and complicated, as folks who uh, understand this issue know. Uh, So the family glitch is fundamentally, uh, it's an interpretation that stemmed from the Obama administration, um, but the idea is that if someone in your family is offered affordable coverage just for themselves as an employee from their job, then their entire family is barred from accessing marketplace premium tax credits, meaning you don't get financial help through the marketplace, even if the family coverage that that employer offers is unaffordable. It's been criticized as very unfair uh, to to families, and a lot of the impact has been on uh, family members of low-income workers who, you know, maybe... Maybe the employer offers an affordable employee plan, but doesn't offer affordable family coverage, which is what a lot of the data shows. Um, even in those situations where family coverage might cost, I don't know, 16, 17% of the family's income, the family still is not eligible for these marketplace premium tax credits, so cannot go into the marketplace and enroll in coverage. And so, you know, out of curiosity, I just did a quick search of some of our archived issues, and it looks like some of the first health affairs articles that we published that refer to this sort of phenomenon known as the family glitch came out around 2014. And a lot of those studies have to do with children's health coverage and other affordability challenges associated with the marketplace. And so, you know, maybe it took a few years to sort of characterize it and give it a name, but how did we end up with a problem like this on our hands, Katie? Was it something that people saw coming or did it just sort of play out as the ACA matured? 
how did we get here? So I think you started to see those studies in 2014 because this uh, approach, this sort of glitch, if you will, was baked into regulations by the Obama administration in 2013. The marketplace premium tax credits, none of that really kicked in until 2014 itself anyway. So um, this happened in one of those rules where the Obama administration was running quickly to try to get everything set up for 2014 when everything opened and folks qualified for brand new coverage and brand new uh, financial help to get covered. And so it was a, an interpretation that was proposed and studied a few times. It was in you know a couple rounds of rulemaking throughout 2011, 2012, and, tw- and finally uh, finalized, finally finalized in 2013. Uh, and so it's been something that um, has been sort of on the books for a while, but it's always been sort of heavily criticized as an interpretation, myself included. I did a piece uh, for Forefront last year about you know why it would be more than permissible for the Biden administration to do exactly what it proposed to do uh, mm-hmm. on Tuesday. So to fix this interpretation, which I think many folks argue is, again, hurts uh, low-income workers and their families and uh, is just inconsistent with the Affordable Care Act, which of course was designed to expand access to coverage. Yeah. And I actually saw that you were quoted this week by um, a politics writer for an article in Time. You know, you said fixing the family glitch is one of the biggest things the Biden administration can do on its own to expand coverage. And, you know, so so why do you think they decided that now was the right time to fix it? Yeah, I, you know, I think now is, I, well, from my perspective, it should have been fixed a long time ago. So I can't really speak for the Biden administration themselves. But I think you have to step back a little bit. Um, you know, this was, I, I can't remember if this was in the Biden campaign platform. That's something I should go and look at. But last year, you were sort of dealing with a lot of implementation of the American Rescue Plan. At the same time, we're seeing family premiums increase significantly sort of year over year. You know, this, I think this was the first opportunity that they saw perhaps to to say we're going to update this interpretation. And I and I should say everything we're talking about today, this is a proposed rule. <laughs> Nothing has changed. There will be a 60-day comment period uh, so folks can, you know, appreciate or uh, argue against this proposed interpretation. There might be a hearing that the Internal Revenue Service will have. Then there'll be a final rule. And even if all of that happens, this policy wouldn't change until 2023. Mm-hmm. And so just keeping that in mind, you know, nothing has changed. This is just really sort of the first step in this process to fixing this error. I can't answer the question of sort of why now. I I, I wish they would have done it sooner from my perspective, because I've always thought this was quite unfair. Um, and so, you know, what this, what this new interpretation would do, it would essentially give families in the situation that I mentioned, right? You, you know, someone in your family is offered, quote, affordable job-based coverage. And that means no one else, even, you know, no one else can qualify for marketplace tax credits. Um, It would give families the choice to enroll on that family plan and maybe pay a lot more, or they could then go to the marketplace and get premium tax credits to enroll in what could be more affordable coverage. It's going to be interesting to see how much take-up there is. Uh, You know, the White House estimated, uh, you know, a million families might come into the marketplace as a result, uh, and about 200,000 uninsured people could enroll because of this. It is a huge impact. I do think it's the most significant change in, in policy they could adopt, um, but it's also not going to you know, move all the markets or anything like that. So I, I do think it's, it's good to be tempered about this. Um, for those families, it's going to make an incredible difference, I think. Uh, and so um, it, this, I think it's really all about giving choice to families, sort of recognizing the environment that we find ourselves in. 
That's a really great point. And, you know, you mentioned the proposed rule and sort of the process and what that looks like. Can we get a little bit more specific, maybe? Is there anything else that you want to mention that's in that proposed rule? You know, what are your thoughts? Is it adequate? What kinds of things does it cover? Anything else you want to say about that? Yeah, I mean, I can step back and maybe explain the policy. So, you know, what the proposed rule would do is sort of separate this determination. You know, right now, what the employee is offered sort of speaks for the whole family, right? And there's no sort of distinction between the cost of coverage for just the employee versus the cost of coverage for the family. And what the it's all the same test is sort of what you would say now. It's all based on how much the employee would have to pay for themselves. What the proposed rule would do is separate those tests. So if the employee is offered affordable employee coverage, they're stuck, right? They can't go to the marketplace. There's no change there. That's always been the case. That's not moving under this proposed rule. What is changing is that the family could qualify for premium tax credits. You would essentially say, is the amount that the employee has to contribute towards family coverage affordable or unaffordable? And if it's unaffordable for family coverage, then you know those family members only would qualify for premium tax credits. And so it sort of just, I think it is separates them out in a way that reflects reality for families, which is no one's deciding to enroll their family based on the cost of one person. They're looking at the cost of the full family. And this recognizes that. This says, you know, families shouldn't, in general, families shouldn't be paying more than eight and a half percent of their household income uh, or nine and a half percent, whatever it might be, towards premiums alone for health insurance. And so it, it is really sort of a separation of that that uh, I think again, reflects the lived economic realities of families when they're trying to make these really complicated decisions. Um, there's a couple other changes in there that um, I think are maybe too wonky. I do, of course, have a summary that's up. So I would encourage folks to check that out if you really want to dig in. But that that is really the core, I think, of, of the proposed rule and what they put out. And when will people start noticing these changes? When are they really going to start feeling the impact? I think I heard you say a little bit earlier, sometime around 2023, next year? Exactly. So folks would, again, assuming this is finalized, which we don't know that it will be yet, but I, again, I'm clearly a fan of this policy. I hope it gets finalized. You would probably notice it would go into effect for the next plan year, but that means families would maybe notice it beginning with this year's open enrollment period, which starts on November 1st. So, you know, families who would go in before and try to enroll in coverage for next year, you know, they would be told like, sorry, you don't, you don't qualify because someone in your family has an off, offer of affordable coverage. And so this time you would go in and they would say, well, how much does the employer charge for family coverage? You'd sort of have a different discussion. So I will say, you know, if this is finalized, the marketplaces will have to make some, you know, some administrative changes, updates, that kind of thing. Um, you know, there, there will be some steps that have to be taken in advance of that. But, you know, families, consumers would probably feel the impact of this beginning in November 1st with open enrollment, but it wouldn't really apply until next year. You know, as always, we we can't let you go, Katie, without asking about kind of what's next on the agenda, either, you know, as it's related to the ACA or legislative priorities and healthcare more broadly. And so um, any other thoughts or takeaways from Tuesday's press conference? Um, tell us what we should be keeping our eye on. Sure. I mean, I think the obvious thing would be to go to this new executive order that the president signed. Um, a lot of the executive order was sort of running through accomplishments over the past, I don't know, about a year and a half uh, in President Biden's term. And 
you know, this is, so there's a lot of like a list of accomplishments and all the things they've done, particularly on the Affordable Care Act and Medicaid. And then there's some directives to agencies. Um, they're, they're pretty general, uh, do things like make it easier for consumers to understand their coverage options and improve the comprehensiveness of coverage. Uh, so I, I have the summary up at forefront, trying to read some of those tea leaves. Um, it's all speculation from my head about what some of those broad generalizations might be talking about. Um, but, but I would assume we're going to see a lot more implementation of that executive order in the coming years. Um, beyond that, I am waiting for the 2023 payment rule to be finalized. So that rule would have, uh, you know, again, if they finalize it, standardized plans, new network adequacy standards. They were asked for comments about, you know, how to use a marketplace to advance health equity. So some some big stuff that could also affect uh, next plan year. So it makes sense to me to sort of tie the family glitch and that proposed payment rule together. But that's something that I'm watching and waiting for. Uh, and then there's a couple other big rules sitting uh, under White House review right now, something on Section 1557, which is the ACA's non-discrimination provision, uh, is a big one, and, and a few other things as well. So uh, there's there. I think we're going to have a busy spring into the summer uh, on certainly on on rulemaking and regulatory watching. So of course you can catch. I'll be covering all of it uh, for Forefront, and hope to be back on the podcast probably sometime soon. And if if you haven't, not to be immodest, but uh, I'll be covering all of this and more uh, in a new monthly newsletter on health reform uh, that Health Affairs has warily given me the pen to. Uh, wisely or not is yet to be seen, but I'll be covering all this. <laughs> no, it's great. Check it out. Check it out. <laughs> um, thanks, Katie. Um, thank you so much for joining me. Um, that's it for us, but uh, we'll be back next week. And um, if you enjoyed this episode, subscribe to the show and we'll see you next time. Thanks, Katie. Yeah, thanks, Leslie.